Hello. Today we will listen to stories from Pro Revenge. The name of today's first post is entitled Aunt Unknowingly Ended Her Own Financial Support. Throw away because my family knows my main account. Warning, long post. This actually happened at Christmas last year but the effects are now being felt full force. My older sister, let's call her Rhea, and our mom have always had a very difficult relationship ever since I could remember. Rhea has always been headstrong and not afraid to ask questions. My mom was a very traditional devout Christian who put family above everything first. Bit of a background my mom was the second eldest of nine children and moved from the Philippines to the US. She grew up dirt poor in a small province and experienced firsthand the hardship that comes with taking care of a big family. She was the first of her family to graduate college and has always valued education as a means to get out of poverty. She has paid for four of her siblings to go to college only two actually completed and went on to find jobs and has also paid for several of her siblings' children to go to good schools in the Philippines. Rhea had more exposure to the extended family than I did. She was born in the Philippines. I was born in U.S. seven years apart. As she got older, she was very outspoken about how she did not agree with my mom financially supporting some of her family because Rhea felt as though they were abusing my mom's generosity, especially since mom was frugal with our expenditures here in the US. When Rhea was in her last year of high school, she had a bad falling out with my mom and moved out. They did not speak for five years, although my dad and I kept in touch with Rhea. In that time, Rhea worked full-time and paid her way through college without any help from my parents at all. Fast forward a few years at my high school graduation, I invited Rhea, she attended, and ended up reconciling with my mom. Things were still rocky but they had a much better relationship. Two years ago, my mom passed away. Unknown to me at the time, Rhea had quietly taken over the continued financial support for my mom's youngest sister's Jana cost of living and maintaining the college fund for Jana's daughter. She also took care of the funeral arrangements and handling the estate. Dad was a mess at the time. Last year, Rhea and I decided to spend the holidays in the Philippines. One of our visits was to Jana's place. Little did I know that shit was about to hit the fan when we sat down for dinner. After small talk, the topic of my mom came up and this was how that conversation went. Details may be lost in translation so just writing the gist. R. Rhea, J. Jana, J. Such a shame your mom passed away. We will miss her, R, yes, J, Rhea, why did you stop talking to her? Why did you leave her? You should be ashamed that's not how you treat family. Now, your mom could have raised you better you always were too headstrong you know, that's not ladylike you shouldn't be so aggressive. You need to be softer. How are you going to get a man otherwise? She goes on to say more shit along these lines R. J, turns to me don't be like your sister okay? Be a good daughter. Do you have a boyfriend yet? You don't want to get too old like Rhea and not have your own family. That's not following God's plan. Before I could speak, Rhea asked her own questions. R, why did you drop out and decide to get pregnant when mom was paying for your college? Did you really think that that businessman would leave his wife to take care of you? If you wanted to be a trophy wife, you should have just said so instead of wasting my mom's hard-earned money. At this point, I just decided to watch because Jana was starting to piss me off and Rhea has been known to do epic takedowns. J, enraged how dare you come into my house, eat my food, and disrespect me, R, calmly technically it's my mom's house, you have food because my mom has been supporting you for the better part of 15 years and you disrespected her by wasting all the opportunities she worked hard to give to you J, I don't need your attitude, or your bullshit. Shit, I don't need anything from you you disrespectful bitch. 
get the hell out of my house, more rant, r, gets up and smiles you sure you don't need anything from me. You don't want anything from me. I want to confirm that I heard you correctly j, I don't need shit from you, I can take care of myself and my family and how dare you imply otherwise. Get the hell out of my house and your father will hear about this, r, looks at me you heard her, let's go, now, I was surprised by how calmly Rhea was taking the diatribe because I've seen her and my mom get into massive shouting matches. More confused than anything, I followed her to the car. R, you heard her right, she doesn't need. Anything from meme, it begins to dawn on me what my sister is about to do yeah r, okay, we get back to the hotel and my sister promptly stops the auto transfer of funds for Jana's account. We then spend the rest of the week lounging by the beach and hanging out with other cousins. Yesterday, I was talking to one of my cousins and heard that Jana is just now realizing what actually happens when you run out of money. I called up Rhea shortly after to give her an update, r, what? She ran out of money that quick. There was enough in there to last her the year, me, oh. Did you tell her that, r, a, basic math, me, will she lose the house, r, nah. It's paid for. As long as she doesn't do something stupid, she should have a roof over her head, me, did you also close her kid's college fund, r, nope. Not gonna punish the kid for her mom's stupidity. But that's all she gets so if she fucks it up, she fucks it up, so yeah, will definitely be interesting how this plays out in the next few months. I have a feeling my sister probably won't give a damn one way or the other though, edit 1, typo edit 2, whoa. Responses. Will try my best to read through all of these. Oh 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 you are next story is named roommate thought she was sneaky. Ended up owing me $400 and got suspended. This is a long one, TLDR is below, so, this happened my second semester dorming at my college campus. I had met my roommate at orientation and could kind of already tell she was going to be a pain in my ass. And I was right about that. I had planned on moving rooms to be closer to some friends the next semester, but, let me get to the story that lead to my revenge. On our campus you had to pay for meals using your student ID which had a certain amount of money on it each semester. You could also use an app that you put your name and ID info into and it makes it easier to pay. But, the name and ID must match for it to work, which will be important later, any funds from the fall semester would roll over into the spring. But, then at the end of spring it would just expire. Because of this, and because I only ate once or two a day, I had a ton saved up on my card. My roommate on the other hand, did not. So, I offered to pay for some of her meals from time to time in trade of her picking up the food for us which involved her using my card twice in person and then she'd return it. Then, one day, I noticed on my app that my card was being charged even when I was not ordering food. And not just a meal, like a meal for several people. This meant that whoever was ordering, I wonder who, either had to have stolen my ID card, which I had in my pocket when I got the charge, or was impersonating my info in the app, which are both big no-nos on my campus. I was quick to put two and two together and was pretty pissed. I was initially going to confront her on it, but decided to formulate a plan instead. That day I went and ordered a second ID card for $25 to use for later, as it took a couple of weeks to get the new one. I let her charge several things to my card over a good two weeks for her and her friends, and she wasn't very good at hiding it either, as they would come to our dorm and eat. While I just screenshot and sent emails to the support team of the app about the charges, knowing nothing would get done until I contacted someone in person. And one day it got even better, as you can buy groceries with the card off campus as well. She decided to pay for alcohol with my card. 
which doesn't get pinged as an issue on my card due to me being over 21 but, she was only 19. Not sure how she got it, but it was just the thing to finally act on my plan, I put my best sad face on and contacted the head of campus living and head of my dorm about the charges on my account. I dropped some hints that it could be my roommate and mentioned I got a new ID and asked what I should do. I was told to order a new card and once I got it, to deactivate my current ID and use the new one for purchases now. Making my old ID have a balance of $0 and also to ping if someone uses it to buy anything. They also told me they would be visiting my dorm to discuss the issue with my roommate. I accepted that and waited, they sent the confirmation email that they would be visiting and I just decided to add more fuel to the fire. My roommate was groaning about not having the funds for food in front of me in our dorm. I told her I really couldn't help her as I was running low on funds and she kind of just laughed it off and left the room to probably go use my old ID. I deactivated my first card right after she left and surprise surprise she used my info to pay. Except when she tried to pay for her and her friends this time, it was declined and it pinged that my ID was used. Campus security was called and she was escorted back. To our dorm. Pretty much perfect timing for our meeting with campus living. She was scared shitless when they came to the dorm to talk and look through her stuff. On her phone, still logged into the app was my ID information and name. And in her dorm closet was a half-full bottle of cheap vodka. And on my phone was a screenshot of said unauthorized vodka purchase. In the end she was forced to pay me back all the funds she used in cash, reported for underage drinking which automatically suspends you from campus living for at least a year, and would have on her record that she performed identity theft. Which I also could have charged her for out of school. In the end, I got to have my own dorm for the remainder of that semester and even part of the semester after because it wasn't put as an available room for new dormers. I did get all my money back from her parents who were so embarrassed and apologized profusely. And when she did eventually come back to campus no one wanted to dorm with her because they knew she had stolen her roommate's ID. I think in the end she rented off campus, TLDR, dorm roommate thought she could get away with identity theft. But got busted for stealing an alcohol possession, our next post got titled Fire Me. You're all losing your jobs, hash. My 2019 was wild. But with everything finally on the up and up, I feel I can tell this story here. After uni, late 2018, I fell on rough times and was forced to move back to my hometown. I tried to transfer my job to a branch in my area but failed, thus I needed to get a new job. I settled for a 20-hour-a-week job at a bookies, with a second bartending job in the evenings. The bookies is the target for my revenge, which was entirely accidental, involved are the following, Janelle my manager's manager Shay my manager Jorge and Gordon my co-workers and Kara a co-worker at another store who is relevant later names changed and or redacted I ended up working behind the counter as a customer service manager, basically a step up from a cashier. It's fancy when seen on a CV but there's nothing really to it. I took bets, chatted with customers, helped people with machines and, for the vast majority of my shift, sat around waiting for something to do. I got on well with my co-workers, or so I thought, and had no major issues. It was 20 hours a week, about one more than minimum wage with a lot of overtime required of me and irregular shift patterns. Though I had no issue with the job, beyond how difficult it was to juggle the schedules of both of my jobs, in February of 2019, after working for the company for six months, I was invited to a probation hearing. 
It cannot be emphasized enough that it was a probation hearing in which I would have my performance reviewed and, as informed in training, was entitled to a pay rise at the end of it. I arrived that morning to a disciplinary hearing where, without even a shred of evidence, I was accused of 11 different cash discrepancies dating back to early November of 2018, shortly after ID started, which all amounted to 271.36. All but one of which ID never heard of before. These had apparently been reported and logged by my manager, Shay, and my co-workers, despite no one saying a word to me at all. Not a whisper in the five months this had apparently been occurring. I was told that it was unacceptable. A call was made to HR and I was terminated on the spot and forced to hand over my keys and to never set foot in the store again. To my protests I was told the decision could not be appealed and I would eventually receive written confirmation of my employment's termination in the post. I didn't let myself slump around and feel sorry for myself. So, on the way home, I opened up Indeed and applied for a bunch of jobs and, before I arrived home, had an interview set up for the next week at what is my current place of work. Now, I was furious. Fuming at having gone to what I thought should have been a normal probation meeting and having, effectively, been called a thief and been banned for life from a place I'd never go to anyway. But somehow, my parents were angrier and ordered me to let them know when they got into contact with me again. Almost two weeks later I received an email from the company's HR which reiterated the accusations and stated, again, that I was terminated. My mum sat me down in her kitchen and walked me through a letter response that was two parts professional and three parts scathing. Ripping into them about their unprofessional conduct, their ludicrous claims, their lack of evidence, the holes in their story, because there were quite a few, and finally, the cherry on the cake, the employment laws they'd broken, now I didn't want much, just a nice reference. A promise that not a whisper of these accusations would turn up WH. And my new job asked them for a reference because, by then, I'd already been offered the job. I then attached the letter to an email to fire back at their HR department, then I added Janelle's work email. Then her boss's email and finally, the holding company that owned the brand. Cause I wanted to make sure this was seen. A bit of background, the bookies I worked for is a brand that is owned by an international company, their name, behind the scenes, is slapped on everything and they pretty much dictate everything we did. I am not sure if holding company is the correct term, but it'll stick to that for now. Anyway, I sent this email with a 48-hour window for a response. I received a reply the next day from the same email that my demands were being met. I smirked victoriously and moved on with my life, happy to wash my hands with the entire ordeal. However, ID set off a chain reaction that I wouldn't know about until three months later. Three months on, ID settled into my new job, a call center position with double the hours and well over double the pay. ID gone through training and was settling into my new position when I see a new set of trainees settling in near my team. Among them was Gordon, one of my co-works from the bookies. I was stunned. Gordon had been at the bookies for six years when I joined. He was well-liked, good at his job and a favorite of the managers. There was no way he'd been fired, though I didn't really want to talk to him, as I was of the impression that he, Jorge and my manager had likely set me up, I did want to know what happened. Luckily, on seeing me in the break room one shift, he sought me out and told me everything. Apparently my email had been read by the higher-ups in the holding company and had caused a lot of scrutiny to fall onto the bookies in our town, of which there were three in our area that Janelle was responsible for, two in my town and a third in a neighboring one. 
someone in HR passed a message down to the area manager Janelle's boss claiming they wanted things investigated and they wanted results yesterday, causing him to drop everything and descend on our little town with the panic and aggression of a man whose superiors were watching his every breath. He went to Janelle wanting to know why he hadn't been made aware previously that I was apparently stealing money, why I had been given keys to the shop and shifts on my own when allegations of that nature were attributed to me and why I hadn't been put under investigation. Turns out, Janelle had in fact put in my employee file that I was under investigation but had never actually gone through with any of the official procedures for monitoring and investigating me. Shock horror. Thus she had fired me for the accused crime without looking into it at all, falsely claiming otherwise. Thus, the area manager took the dates and amounts of the cash discrepancies, confirmed that they had been reported on those days without my knowledge in Shay's own log book of the shop's cash, and sent that information onto our security team to investigate. Another little detail is that the CCTV for every shop in the brand is outsourced to a private security company who monitors each shop remotely and has access to all the cameras and video. As was procedure, they looked into the dates mentioned to see if I'd been doing anything untoward. I know I wasn't and nothing was ever said to me, but they did find something, turns out, money was going missing from the shop but, surprise surprise, it wasn't me, but Jorge and Shay. They not only set me up, for reasons I will never know, but were also falsifying numbers and cash checks on the system to hide it. One thing Shay was caught doing was deliberately short-changing customers by taking portions of their winnings without them even knowing it. Bear in mind, a lot of our customers were elderly men and women. Gordon claims that he once opened the shop after I and Shay had closed the night before and noticed a cash difference but had been told not to say anything to me as I was under investigation and it could compromise it. He did apologize and I let it go. Needless to say, Jorge and Shay were fired, but it doesn't end there. Our team was small, including me there were a total of four people working at the store. As they hadn't been able to hire anyone to replace me, Jorge and Shay's termination meant Gordon was the only employee at the busiest shop in our area. Even if they'd been able to get other colleagues from the two other shops to help out, it wouldn't have been enough to keep the shop open and manage the amount of customers. So they closed the location down until they could get the staff to run it. It was at that point that Gordon handed in his resignation and applied for his job at my work. Meaning they had no one. On top of that, Gordon's girlfriend worked in the same shop as Janelle and she relayed that she was rarely at their store in the other town for the next few weeks before the area manager reported she was fired as well. No reason given to her. I was later issued an apology for everything by the area manager and informed she, Janelle, was no longer with the company in an email some time later. But somehow, it doesn't end there. With the store I worked at closed, this one being on the high street and where most people preferred to go, the only other location in town was the much smaller location in the suburbs. The one where Kara worked. Alone, she suddenly received an influx of customers into her tiny store space and absolutely no support from other staff or upper management. Thus, for her own mental health, having already been overworked and underpaid, running an entire store by herself, she quit, meaning that location had to be closed down too. All of this at the worst possible time, March, when the Cheltenham Festival was occurring. Which is a huge money maker for the gambling industry, even in a small town like ours. An opportunity the three other bookies on the high street reaped the benefits of instead of my old place, as the former customers went to them instead. As it currently stands, just over a year later, both shops remain closed and I am currently entering a job in cybersecurity, the training for which I paid for with my current job. Thanks for firing me dumbasses, you did me a favor, TLDR, I was fired for false claims of theft.
I complained to the higher-ups. The real culprits lost their jobs, every shop in town closed down and they lost out on a bunch of money and customers hashtag UPDATE this massively blew up, thanks for the support and everything X Gordon and I got in touch with our old area manager and we were able to get a bit more information, the security team rifled through about 3 years worth of footage after they found out about Jorge and Shay and have estimated that, in that period alone, they both stole nearly 4,000 through various means. The parent company also got involved and searched through years worth of their cash checks until checks and noted plenty of irregularities. The parent company pursued criminal charges and the two were arrested but, as far as our area manager knows, the case is still ongoing. He thinks it's because they are still looking into how much they actually stole, as they've both been there a while, Jorge about 8 years and Shay 10 years. I doubt they'll have security footage of all that time, but I bet they're trying to get a more accurate figure to really nail them, and in comes a new character, Tammy obviously not her real name. She is an employee who was hired and fired shortly before I was, at the same store. She lasted just past her probation before she was fired, wait for it, for months worth of cash differences and false till checks she wasn't made aware of prior, however, her situation is far worse than mine. Tammy is in the process of suing the company for wrongful termination alongside financial and emotional damages as she was put under a lot of stress whilst in the job by Shay who apparently left her to fend for herself and would refuse to step in when customers got aggressive and then had a miscarriage shortly after her employment was terminated. Our area manager doesn't know anything more, as it's escalated and gone way above his head and I doubt I'll be able to get any more information on it. But I doubt the company's doing too well on that front and I wish her the best. Gordon and I are considering reaching out to some of the other fired employees of which he can name a few who were terminated for similar reasons to get their side of things. But it seems very clear that what Shay and Jorge were doing was going on for a long time and I was only the latest scapegoat. Janelle, unfortunately, is perfectly fine as far as I'm aware. Her husband and her opened a taxi company several years ago and she seems to have just got more involved with that. I haven't seen her so I wouldn't know. But she was terminated for gross misconduct and for not following procedure, which is kinda what I expected, and Kara, who our area manager actually really dislikes but is lovely and did not deserve what she went through, is doing okay. I've messaged her and she and her partner recently bought a house. She also got a job as an events manager at a local historical site. She's happier there as she actually has people to talk to at work and isn't alone anymore. TLDR, Jorge and Shay are being prosecuted after stealing thousands. A former employee is suing after going through the same thing as me, but worse, Janelle is fine and so is Kara. Thank you again for all. The awards, updates and support x the next story we will hear is titled New Asshole in a Peaceful Neighborhood Learns His Lesson, Long, TLDR End, So I Live in a Quiet Little Town in the Midwestern United States. My house is the last house at the end of a sleepy little dead-end road. New guy moves in next door, let's call him Dick. Dick was probably one of those guys who was so popular in high school that he thought he had it made without doing any work and tried to spend the rest of his life living off being the cool guy. Type of guy who drives a lifted truck and a motorcycle. Don't get me wrong, I ride motorcycles myself. What I don't do, is sit in my driveway at 2am and rev my engine, and NBSP, there's a bit of a downhill slope from the middle of the street to our houses at the end, and Dick likes to race down this hill, then lock his brakes and drift into his driveway. The first winter after he moved in, I notice that my mailbox has been crushed and there's fresh tire tracks in the snow leading down the street, over my mailbox, and into his driveway. 
A few days later I see Dick standing outside and ask about this. He denies the entire thing says he doesn't know what happened to my mailbox and that it must be been a delivery guy or something. I figure whatever and fix my mailbox. A few months later the same thing happens again. I fixed my mailbox and move on. Sometime later, this happens yet again. This time, I am pretty pissed. An NBSP, so, I talked to my cousin who's a commercial welder and had him make me a mailbox out of some scrap quarter-inch steel plate which was mounted on a length of old railroad track for its post. A little bit of glue and some cedar shingles and you'd never know it wasn't a typical wooden mailbox. Also, the railroad track post was sunk in concrete four feet into the ground. For the next several weeks I waited with anticipation every time I heard his truck roaring down the street, but nothing. Until, about five months later when I heard his truck, then a crash. An NBSP, by this time I had forgotten about my mailbox and thought for sure head struck another car. I ran out to the street to see if anyone needed help, and there was his truck broadside against my mailbox all smashed up. He saw me walk up and started yelling about how I had destroyed his truck and head make me pay, and he called the cops. A cop showed up to take his report and Dick pointed out how my mailbox had been specifically designed to destroy his truck. I gotta admit, I got nervous at this point. The cop looked around at the truck and the construction of the mailbox then turned back to us and asked me if I'd had trouble with my mailbox before. I explained how it has been smashed several times in the past year. The cop then said it's pretty clear what happened here. This is an obvious case of wanton destruction of property. My heart sunk to the ground and Dick got a smug look on his face, but then cop turns to Dick and says I am going to issue a citation for this, as well as reckless driving. You should have seen Dick's face at this point. He was boiling with rage as the cop wrote him two tickets and told him he needed to pay for the repair of the damaged wood on my mailbox. The metal was fine, hadn't even tilted it, but the wood camouflage had broken off and NBSP, TL, Dr. Neighbor ran over my mailbox several times, so I built a sleeper fortress mailbox which destroyed his truck and he got a ticket for it. Our next story is named Company Recruits Me for Senior Position, Brings Me to Their HQ, Project Gets Cancelled While I'm Interviewing and I'm Supposed to Pay for the Trip. I don't think so. Was reading a post in another subreddit regarding things that caused you to walk out of an interview and it reminded me of this experience I had 20 plus years ago. Hope it fits here. TLDR, company flies me to their home office to interview for killer position, job disappears during interview, they won't pay for hotel or return airfare, I resolve the issue by driving the local rental car 800 miles home. During the dot-com boom in the late 90s I became somewhat well known for my expertise with a now somewhat obsolete networking technology. I ended up getting heavily recruited by a big telecom firm in Denver to run the technical side of a huge networking project they had underway. After multiple phone interviews I was invited out for the big in-person sit-down, a two-day affair where I met with the big dogs, other techies, HR, etc. It was a pretty killer opportunity, took the trip. First day of meetings went great, I felt it was a great match, etc. I did sense there was some tension between two groups over network architecture, turned out that was one of the reasons they were bringing in someone more senior who could finalize the approach and de-get the project moving. That was fine, all part of the job, whatever. Got wined and dined after the first day, was definitely feeling like the job was a match and that I'd be moving to Denver. Went in the second day and after another round of interviews the division head takes me to lunch. That's when it all blew up. While we were at lunch the firm's senior management canned the entire project and fired every person associated with it. 
Apparently there was a huge internal political war going on, this project was ground zero for the big battle and this division just lost, we get back from lunch and the manager escorts me to HR where we're going to sit down and go over their offer. Instead he's told what's going on and that he's out of a job along with everyone else on the project. At this point I was told to leave. No apologies, it was just shitty luck for me. WTF. Okay then, I'm gone, I get back to the hotel and there's a voicemail for me asking me to call the HR people. I'm pissed but I call. They tell me they've had to cancel my return ticket and that I'd need to pay for the hotel myself for now, but that if I would submit an expense report they'd might be able to get me a check. There's a second voicemail from the front desk asking me to provide a credit card for the stay. And then I get a call on my cell phone from the car rental company which I didn't answer. Turns out they also wanted my credit card, fuck. That, I called the airline and they said my reservation had indeed been cancelled. But they also acknowledged that the reservation was paid for using a fully refundable ticket which I was holding and which back in the 90s was essentially as good as cash. Said they wouldn't know for certain if I could board until I showed up at the counter with the physical ticket. Great. Just fucking great. I'm on the hook for several thousand in airfare, nice hotel and rental car after taking several days of vacation from my job for this interview. I don't think so, here's the revenge, I packed my bags and loaded up the rental car. Left the keys in hotel room door. Drove the rental car back to Dallas, stayed overnight in Amarillo. Dropped the rental at the Hertz lot at DFW Airport, took their shuttle to the terminal I'd left my car at and drove home. Over the next few months I got several nasty phone calls from their HR and accounting departments demanding I pay them back for the trip including paying for the $700 drop-off fee for the car. Never answered them of course, just let them go to voicemail. Eventually got a demand letter from their legal department, paid an attorney a nominal fee to send them a demand for compensation threaten a lawsuit letter. Never heard from the firm again, side note, the ticket itself was still valid. I ended up selling it to a friend at a big discount and he was able to use it, our next post got named want to fail the half the class because you lost our papers. Enjoy early retirement. So this happened during senior year in high school four years ago. I had an English teacher named Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith, or how she liked to refer to herself, Dr. Smith, she didn't have a doctorate, was a mean old bat that hated anything and everything. She was ugly inside and out, to give a mental image of what she looks like, her face sagged so much it looked like she had a perpetual stroke. She had about two feet in between her eyebrows and her eyes. Imagine Ursula and Cruella de Vil had a child and then that child had a baby with the devil. You get Mrs. Smith, none of the other English teachers liked her. There was nothing that they nor the administration could do due to her tenure. That is, until I became her student. Her teaching style included, but was not limited to, yelling at students, putting them down with petty insults, having us read to ourselves in the middle of class, kicking out students that were dozing off then later fall asleep at her desk, not letting female students go to the restroom for very obvious reasons, and the occasional losing students work then accuse the students of not turning their work in. This last part is what crossed the line for me. You see, I wasn't a great a student and I sucked at English, so I always played my cards right and made friends with everyone. Students and teachers included. So when I struggled and couldn't do something on my own, I let my charm save me and cash out on my months of being nice to everyone. However, no one could be friends with Mrs. Smith. I tried being polite. I was met with rudeness. I tried asking her how her morning was. I was met with silence and dead stares. 
I tried asking how I could improve in my writing skills, she told me that she wasn't willing to help. Within the first week of class, I knew I had met my match, so halfway through the semester, we're working on a big research paper. However, the day after the due date, Mrs. Smith had to go up to Illinois for some family issues for two weeks. Mind you, we turned in our papers both in hand and on turnitin.com for plagiarism checking. No biggie. We won't get our grades back for a while but at least we won't have to deal with her bullshit. Or so we thought. A few days after she gets back, only about half of the students got their papers back. The other half, including myself, were sitting there staring and waiting, thinking that she was going to go back to her desk and pull out the remaining papers to return to her students. But nope, she told us to take out our textbooks and start reading Beowulf. Some students, including myself, that didn't receive their papers tried to interject and inquire about our papers, and she snapped back with, you should have turned them in when they were due. In unison, we respond with, we did. Of course, she denies it, and within a few days, our grades drop immensely. At the end of the grading period, second six weeks, our report cards show a big fat F for English. Everyone is livid. And the worst part is if you get anything below AC, you were to be moved to lower level English at the end of the semester. Between the zero from the paper that carried almost half of our grade and only a few weeks remaining in the semester, almost half of the class was doomed to fail out. Now, most of the students were happy with having to leave her class. There was not much they could do. But I was careful. Remember the teaching methods I mentioned above? Well Mrs. Smith thought that because we were in a classroom that had no cameras, her behavior wasn't being recorded. She was dead wrong. From the second week on, I started recording audio on my phone every day from the moment I walked into the class to the moment I left. Every. Day. I caught every single one of her personal attacks of students on tape. When she fell asleep, I pulled out my phone and recorded her. My pleas for help to improve and her refusal to help weren't left out either. Every day, I would go home, cut the audio to keep the good parts. And every day, my collection of dirt on her grew. And remember how I said we used turnitin.com as well as paper. I had coordinated with all of the other students who were going to fail to screenshot all of their turnitin receipts and send them to me as proof that they turned in their work. When she decided to fail me for her mistake, she unleashed hell on herself. I went straight to the administration and scheduled a parent-teacher admin conference. A week later, my parents, the principal, the school counselor, the head of the English department, and Mrs. Smith were all present. I started with how she had lost half of the class's work and most of us failed because of it. She denied it and again accused us of turning out our work in late as well as cheating and a bunch of other bullshit and lies. I remained calmed and just pulled out a folder that contained all of the screenshots from my backpack and handed it to the principal who then passed it to the head of the English department who then asked Mrs. Smith to explain it. She instantly turned red in the face and started stuttering. Before she could get any words out, I say, that's not all. Listen to this, I pull out my phone and start playing back the highlights from the semester. All the while, I'm staring dead into Mrs. Smith's eyes while trying to hold back a shit-eating grin. The suspense in the room would have killed Jason Statham. After the audio finished the principal looked at me and said, I think we've seen enough, and asked me to leave. I sat outside of the conference room savoring the muffled yelling through the walls. I'm pretty sure I heard my dad utter the words, filthy cunt, but I don't want to point fingers. The parent-teacher conference was on a Friday. I walked into class the following Monday to see an empty desk and a substitute teacher we all recognized and loved. 
1010, would document everything again, TLDR, old witch of a teacher insulted and put down students. I recorded nearly every insult. She then loses half of our papers and then accuses students of never turning in their work. I get screenshots of everyone's turnitin.com receipts. I show the audio recording and screenshots to the principal in a parent-teacher conference. The old witch was fired. Feels good man. Edit, this is getting some attention so here are two things. Please don't guild me. It benefits no one but Reddit. Instead put your money towards an education charity or something. Second, there is a story very similar to mine posted here about a year ago. I understand any doubt that may lead you to believe that this is a plagiarized repost but I promise. E this story is true. I don't know how else to prove it so you believe what you want to believe, edit too, so people are calling BS so I am currently trying to recover the Turnitin receipts. Please stand by edit 3, I've regained access to the old email, however it was suspended due to inactivity. Based on some forums from the email service, it should reactivate in 2448 hours, then I can reset my Turnitin password from there. I promise I will follow through with this, edit 4, to anyone doubting that I'm not trying to get proof, I've contacted Turnitin to get access to my old acute edit 5, so I just thought of who Mrs. Smith looks like. She's a spitting image of Senator Feinstein plus Feinstein and TF focus and IA images and IAX images and IAIHTTP% 3A% 2F% 2F www.newyorker.com% 2F WP content% 2 uploads% 2F 2015 2F 06% 2F 150622R26649196.jpg Edit 6, a FAQ I am getting is why she didn't just use Turnitin as a way to see if we turned ours in on time. Fair question. Her policy was that he had to use both Turnitin and a hard copy. If we used only one or the other, we'd get a zero, hence accusing us of never turning ours in by hand. The next story of this episode is titled How My Cousin and I Got a Photographer Locked Up for Revenge Porn. So this all started about three years ago. My cousin who lives in Arizona always had a desire to have professional nude photos taken. She thought it'd be nice to have something for her husband to look at from when she was in her prime as they aged together. Also I think it kinda turned her on, however my cousin had no desire to have those photos publicly published. After a few years of chewing on this idea, she decided she was going do it. She went out looking for a photographer. She had a tight budget and ended up going with this one man who quoted her $300 for a one-hour photo shoot. He didn't mind taking nude pictures of her, however she asked him if he had any agreement or something that would keep those photos confidential. He said he did not. She asked him if she wrote up an agreement basically stating the photos he takes of her cannot be saved on any of his devices, and the SD card needs to be given to her and that she should be the only person with a copy of the photos and if he'd agree to that. His only request was that she buy the SD card herself, so she agreed, he sent her what kind of SD card she should buy and she bought it. She also wrote up an agreement in which the following was agreed upon and signed. Photo shoot was to last one hour he would be paid $300 he would edit six pictures of her choosing airbrushing making her look better etc. He would also print those six photos she would supply the SD card. He would also delete any photos of her from any device he has the photos he takes of her. After he's done should not be saved to any device he owns and the only copy should be on the SD card when he gives her the SD card. He not allowed to share those photos with anyone for any reason and those photos belonged to her only. Agreement was signed, photo shoot happened, photos were edited, she got her SD card. 
all things well and good my cousin figured that was that, obviously we all know this isn't the end, but just the start otherwise I wouldn't be posting here. About six months after the photo shoot the photographer contacts her and says he has copies of her photos and knows a website can he sell them to for $500 and if she doesn't want that she needs to pay him $500. My cousin calls me and asks me what I think she should do as I'm pretty good at handling dynamic situations. I did some googling and come to find out, this could be considered revenge porn and that's illegal in the state of Arizona. In fact, it's a felony which means jail time. Also obviously this would be considered blackmail which is also a felony, so I tell my cousin to do this, don't pay him, if you pay him once there is nothing stopping him from trying to get you to pay again remind him that you are both in the state of Arizona and that it's a felony to distribute revenge porn. Remind him that you had a signed agreement in which he agreed the photos he took of her he would not save a copy and he would never publish anywhere remind him if he publishes your photos, you will post him on blast throughout the social media world, she said thanks, I thought this was the end of that story, but about 6 months later I'm on reddit, on my porn reddit account I have a reddit account I only use to subscribe to porn subreddits to keep my main account clear of porn and I'm whacking off, and I'm in one of the subs when I click on a picture and bam my dick goes limp. I'm staring at my cousin in a very seductive pose. I knew she was my cousin cause you could see the tattoo of her son's name and birthday. It was a complicated feeling, at first I was annoyed that my whack of session was ruined by Rue. NNING across a picture of my cousin, and then it dawned on me, dot the photographer didn't listen to her and must have published her photos anyway, so now things get more awkward, cause now I have to call my cousin and tell her how I found her nude photos as I was masturbating. Not a conversation anyone would like to have with a blood relative but, dot she had to know, so I called my cousin and informed her of what I saw. I sent her the links. I went to the local Facebook groups, and left nasty reviews for him. My cousin didn't want her name out there saying nude photos of her existed so people could go out and find them. I then googled how to DMCA and sent in DMCA notices to the sites I could find that were hosting her photos. I also did a reverse image search and DMCA those as well. I taught my cousin how to do this herself, FYI DMCA works, and none of the sites even argued with us, at this point someone PMs me an attorney's number. They tell me this attorney was an advisor to the revenge porn law bill that Arizona passed and that we should call the attorney, so I did, I explained the story to the attorney I left out the my whacking a bit as I didn't feel that was relevant the attorney then explained to me because I wasn't the victim he couldn't really do anything until the victim contacted him, herself, so I went to my cousin, told her about this attorney and how she should go speak to the attorney. Now my cousin has a flaw in her personality, she's very quick to forgive. I tried my best to persuade her but she said she felt the nasty reviews we had left and spreading the news was enough. Another six months pass and one day my cousin calls me again and says, you wouldn't believe which son of a bitch emailed me, being the quick thinker I am I said, the photographer right, she said, yup, and I said, so how much money is he asking for now? She said he's asking for $10,000 to delete her photos and as compensation for the damages we caused to his business. Apparently people don't want to hire a photographer who publishes people's photographs that they paid him to take without their permission. I told it was time to call the attorney. She agreed let's skip ahead a year. Apparently said photographer had plenty of money to fight a legal battle long end of the story my cousin got him convicted for blackmail and revenge porn plus successfully sued him and got a civil judgment for a hefty sum of money. 
He's currently serving three years in an Arizona state prison. Granted after she got her civil judgment he had basically sold everything he had trying to stay out of jail so it's unlikely she will ever be able to collect, but basically his future earnings now belong to her as I understand it. The next story of today's episode is named a co-worker was eating people's lunches so I poisoned them and got them fired. So I like to bring my own food into the office and we have a fridge to put things into, and I have my food in tubs with my name on them. A co-worker would sometimes not see people's names on food and think it was theirs, so would heat it up and eat it and then apologize. They did this enough for it to be an annoyance but not enough for our employers to really care. This has been happening with my food for once or twice a month. Last month I had enough and I like spicy food, but don't bring it into the office as sometimes I'll let people try some of my food and my cooking. I ordered a bag of ghost chili peppers, ghost pepper superhot chili DPBOODDK2NHC, and put the full bag into a big pot of chili that would last for several days. I took this into the office and had it for lunch every day. Midweek my lunch went missing and I was waiting for the person who was stealing my lunch get a shock when they ate my lunch. What happened in reality was someone got sent home sick, and the next day they were off and I was told they went to the doctors for stomach pains. Two weeks went by and the co-worker who was off refused to talk about it and said HR was involved so I knew they were going to try get me fired. I went home and ordered another bag of ghost chilies and made another batch of my chili, this time with only one chili in a single tub. I put this in the freezer and the following Monday I was told I had a HR meeting that day. I refused and said they need to give me 24 hours to find someone to come into the meeting with me and the next day I had my manager come into the meeting and brought in my now heated ghost chili infused chili. The long and short as I was told I could be fired for trying to poison the person who was stealing my lunch, and I asked if they admitted to stealing people's lunch, which they did. I then said I have a batch of the chili in question with me, and I like spicy food. My liking spicy food shouldn't stop. Me from having it at work since it doesn't smell when heated like fish and my manager agreed it was on the person who took my lunch without knowing how spicy it was, and I should not be held liable if they eat something of someone else's that doesn't agree with them. My manager and I then ate some of the chili and offered it to the other people in the meeting, some of which tried it and agreed while it was spicy it was clearly what I liked as I was fine eating it. The meeting ended and nothing happened. I wasn't taken into another meeting and my lunch wasn't taken anymore, but the person who had stole our lunch got a slap on the wrist and was allowed to stay at work. Lunches started to go missing again so my manager went to HR to say that lunches were going missing and he knew who was taking it and had proof this time, and when they asked for the proof he presented the meeting record with the line highlighted where they admitted they had stolen lunch and the line where HR had said this was not what the meeting was about. They were fired the next day for theft of property and told they would not be given a reference. TLDR a co-worker was eating people's lunches so I poisoned them and got them fired. Edit, thanks for the gold, but I'd rather you spend the money donating to the current issues in Hong Kong right now. There are a number of ways to do this listed here. Lennon Walls, edit 2. It was removed due to the Amazon link, not due to Hong Kong. Post should be back on soon. Dot. Thanks for sticking around till the end. You can follow the podcast if you want to support Reddit Guy and never miss an episode.